All right. We got a winner. Oh, we got a winner. We got a winner. And they're wrong. And here we go. It's been another week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week, The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is The Magic Mike Show, episode 340, Mr. Samich. Huzzah. How you doing? <laughs> I was a little worried about you. I, I know it's uh, it's a long weekend for everybody. It was a very long weekend for you. How are you feeling? Oh, uh, you know, we're doing okay. Uh, it was, uh, it was like you said, it was a long weekend. It was one of those, uh, one of the more epic gambling weekends of my life, I would say, just from a stress perspective, uh, with just a, a ton of stuff going on. Um, we were kind of on fire with the bombs. We almost hit the, we, we hit, we were live to five horses for 3,500 to six grand on Friday and late pick five hit the early pick five at Gulfstream on Saturday. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the Sandy to pick six here shortly. Also had uh, Flow Cal going on, which was, you know, I ended up finishing 65th in that and kind of bummed that I made a couple of mistakes there and didn't have a diff- couple of different horses. But in those tournaments, you have to be perfect. And, and I'm sure that everyone in the top, you know, 100 is saying the same thing. Like, what could have, should have, would have of a couple of horses. So had that going on. And then uh, obviously football. But yeah, that's Sandy to pick six. I mean, if you watch the show, that the rookie mistake, uh, that one stung, man. That was That was my second worst gambling beat of my life uh on saturday so that that one stung and got uh, good and drunk saturday night because of it <laughs> uh you were still drunk sunday morning i think when i was texting you checking in you said you're still a little tilty still a little hungover yeah yeah uh you know so you obviously you just go hair of the dog because that's how i was still feeling on sunday and so you know start a little early on sunday as well but it was uh it was fun luckily football absolutely crushed that was kind of nice that the, the, all the opinions were right there after that that first Bengals raiders game and yeah it uh man Oh, that pick six. <laughs> I'm sorry about it. Uh, listen, but you made up for it with the sports betting, right? I know that that ended up going um, going okay for you over the weekend. And the football as a whole was interesting. Yeah. Uh, two games, I think, maybe were fun for people. You definitely had some moments. I mean, the Raiders the – Raiders- Bengals game was nutty. Um, I, that probably should have gone way over the total, and, and I'm not sure who should have won the game, but it was a, a very kind of crazy game, and that was really entertaining. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Bills-Patriots, I think some people enjoyed that, to be honest with you. I think a lot of people probably enjoyed seeing the Patriots just get run out of that building. And then that, that Cowboys-Niners game was just a comedy of errors on both sides. I mean, just an absolute mess. Uh, so that, that was interesting. And then I know a lot of people who had fun with that Chiefs game. So there's a lot of – Pretty much everyone I knew had the Chiefs in some way, shape, or form, and so they were pretty mm-hmm. excited about how that that puppy went. <laughs> uh, and I texted you and the group and, and Jared, and I was like, "Listen, I fully want the Chiefs to win." Uh, as much as as happy as I am for for Ben Roethlisberger, and I have his jersey here, but you know, I'm not going to wear it again. We're going to retire it the way he's being retired or re- is retiring. I guess <laughs> it's not a horse. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I would say he's probably the greatest Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Um, I people would say Terry Bradshaw, and I say Terry Bradshaw is an excellent broadcaster. Um, but yeah, it's, it's Ben Roethlisberger is what made me a Steelers, or is what kept me a Steelers fan. I became it because of Jerome Bettis, but then the, they drafted uh, Roethlisberger as a rookie when I first started paying attention. So uh, yeah, I liked it. Uh, zero losing seasons ever in, in 17 years, so that's pretty impressive. Um, had that one year where they were, I think they were 500. But uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, very happy with Ben Roethlisberger overall and. Yeah, at least on the field. We'll we'll leave it there. Happy with his performances on the field. Um, and then they'll move on. But let's see that division. Are we going to be talking about the Bengals possibly winning that division next year? Uh no, the Ravens are going to win it next year. They're not going to get decimated. It's with the injury. Bengals. Let's not go crazy yeah. here. I I can't believe that Jerry Jones isn't firing Mike McCarthy. I know this, we're going to talk about horse racing in a second. I promise. Uh, but I can't believe Jerry Jones is not firing Mike McCarthy. It's absolutely nutty to me. <laughs> Uh, did you see, by the way, who is it? There's somebody named Mike McCartney, who was a former NFL director of scouting. Um, who uh, He's on Twitter. It's Mike McCartney. And every once in a while, somebody mistakes him for Mike McCarthy, and it'll be some uh, angry fan. Uh, so the Cowboys fans were, were blowing him up and like, I can't believe you still have a job. You go talk to your boss, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, it's my day off. I'm not talking to my boss today. Like, he was just <laughs> totally trolling back and forth with him. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I bet a lot of Cowboys fans wish that Mike McCarthy's day off was yesterday, too. <laughs> Uh, shots fired at Mike McCarthy, poor guy. <laughs> Best thing that I saw, I had my parents here over the weekend, which was great. Um, I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks. And uh, uh, my stepdad is getting really big into bourbon now. And so uh, he got not one, but he was excited. He found three bottles of Willets, which I'm not going to pretend to be a big bourbonite here. I'm just going to tell you, I was told this is really good stuff and the bottle looks really beautiful. Uh, and so he got three bottles and we had one of them on Sunday because we were celebrating our friend Geist. Uh, Horace Menda Mill. She broke her maiden special, or may, broke her maiden at San, uh, Sunday uh, at Santa Anita Park in a turf sprint. And it came down to an inquiry, and it was a little dicey there. But uh, I was very happy for them uh, and Menda Mill for getting that uh, getting that win. It was really cool to see. Did you? I know you're watching a little bit. You were probably seeing two of Menda Mill, but did you get to see her? <laughs> I did. Yeah, she ran well. She, she went right to the front. Was able to get it done. Uh, looked a lot better in her first start. She looked good in her first start. Just a little bit green. Um, I, she looks like they might have a stakes horse on the turf. And, and turf sprinting horses are so fun to have. Because so much can happen in those races. So you don't necessarily have to have the best horse in the race to be able to get the job done. So, uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty exciting to have a good horse. And I think Menda Mill is going to end up being a pretty good horse. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, and uh, uh, guys had told us that she was going to be pretty good. So it was nice to see that after that. I remember she, you could see she had talent in that debut. But it's like, oh, we got some work to do. And there's still some work to do. The, the lead change issue that kind of caused that inquiry. Well, we'll work on that, but she's in good hands, though. So congratulations to Geist and everybody uh, at Little Red Feather. Uh, you got a good one there. Let's get into today's uh, late pick four, Mike. We're going to be looking at Saturday's late pick four at Fairgrounds. That's right, Fairgrounds. God bless you. You got the card out a week early. So we're going to go ahead and look at the pick four sequence, which has the Lacombe Stakes, which is Kentucky Derby Prep, the Silver Bullet Day Stakes, which is a Kentucky Oaks Prep, two other stakes, turf, dirt. It's going to be a lot of fun, Mike. Let's get into it. Right is up. <laughs> Pick four sequence of fairgrounds on Saturday, January 22nd, race 11. The Silver Bullet Day Stakes this is a Kentucky Oaks prep race worth 10 points to the winner. Uh, if you want more in-depth information on this, Mike and I previewed it over at the YouTube page, youtube.com slash racing news. That'll be up there shortly. If you're listening to this on replay, it's there right now. Just a field of six, three-year-old fillies in here, Mike. Uh, routing on the dirt. We don't have the morning line yet, but it's probably going to be number five, Lacrette. This is a 
excuse me, a horse that we were talking about, her bloodlines. Um, not only is she a daughter of Medallia Doro, she's out of Cavorting, who was a grade one winner, Dirt Router. She's a half-sister to Clarier, who just, I feel like yesterday, was winning a bunch of graded stakes races at Fairgrounds. She won the Rachel Alexandra here. She did win a grade one. So plenty of bloodlines. The question isn't, are you going to use her? Is are you going to single Lacret? Well, this is one of those, like, we talk about tick construction quite a bit. Uh, this is you use or you chuck. And, or you single or you chuck, in my mind. I don't really think you can go too deep using her here. I don't think that you can. If, if you're going to use her, it's, it's just her. Because, like, like you said, there's no morning lines out. But she should be two to five three to five maybe in this spot um, and look every bit of it. It's a horse that I would love to fade. I just don't know who I would fade this horse with. And that to me was one of the biggest problems. Uh, Lacrette's first effort was, was phenomenal. She looked great. Uh, Churchill Downs. I love the fact that she went two turns in her first effort. I think that's a, a big positive for her here against this field. She's the fastest horse in this field. So she should be able to get the lead rather easily here. Uh, it just, there seems to be too many things up against the rest of this field for Lacrette to get beat. Um, so I'm going to start out by singling this five horse, who I think is going to be a pretty short favorite. I'm playing a small ticket for me because I don't know if this thing is going to pay a ton. Um, and I, I think Lacrette is going to be tough to beat. So we're pretty much playing a pick three here. <laughs> uh, Dennis is uh, is our guy. Good to see you in the chat, Dennis. Welcome back. Uh, Dennis works for Twin Spires, and he was there at, at Churchill. Um, saw it when she uh, won. He said she ran a monster race watching her live in the paddock. She looked huge. I agree. And the 67 buyer... It's weird. This is one of those ones where it's like it's 67, but I don't know what more she could have done to go higher. Rosario, I mean, she was geared down at what the 316th pole. Uh, what more do you want her to do there? I, I don't quite understand that. So I'm going to single her as well. Let's play devil's advocate. If there is a horse, because she's probably going to be favored here. If there's a horse who beats her, who does it? You know, I, look, I would probably take a horse that's stepping up. Um, and for me, that's that's uh, Barna Breezy, the two horse here. This is a Bruno Breezy. I'm sorry, the two horse here. So horse out of the the Matt Shearer barn, and he's a darn good trainer that people don't talk about that much unless you follow this circuit. He's uh, got he's 22% right now for the year. Uh, the horse took a monster step forward going two turns. And to me, that was what I was really interested in here. You saw our first race runs a 49 buyer, comes out, runs a 76 buyer in your second start. You add Lasix, you go two turns, and the horse just was looked dominant. She also started slowly in that and just absolutely swept past the rest of them. If you go watch that replay, it's a, it's a pretty fun one to watch. She could be a really good horse. The question here is, uh, is there enough time for her to improve enough to be able to get to where I think Lecrette will be? And is Lecrette going to get any pressure up front? Because if Lecrette gets loose up front, I don't think anyone's going to be able to run her down. Uh, Berna Breezy is the one that I'd be interested in underneath in the exacta. I'll probably play a cold exacta here too, if the price is right. Um, but I, it's going to be tough to beat Lecrette. I got to admit, I got Chris, I, I agree with you. You make great points. Chris killed me when he said Lecrette is Creole for the Cre <laughs> I don't know what it is. You caught me at just the right one. That was great, Chris. Um, I, I am actually going to go with I, – I, you brought up that horse in the preview, so I'm glad you touched on it again. I'm going to go with Mark here because at first glance, I was like, well, sweet as pie. We've got Coolmore bought in here. It's Tappet, Smart Strike Mare, uh, you know, Pletcher. Broke the maiden on debut, blah, blah, blah. And I look at those races. I'm like, they weren't really that impressive. Uh, she kind of runs one pace to me. And if Lacrette isn't in here, she probably has as good a chance as about anybody. She runs like she needs two turns. But Lacrette is so quick out of the gate. Watch how she bursts out of the gate in that debut. It's over from there. And I think yeah. if she gets that start here, like you're saying, Mike, over once more. Yeah, I, I just – we haven't in look sweetest pie we don't we haven't seen around two turns she should improve going around two turns but it's gonna be the first time she's done it whereas you have two horses who've gone around two turns already so it's one of the reasons i like both the five and the two a little bit more there and i hate using this this description because it, it just seems like such an insult 
she seems like a plotter to me. Like she just kind of she's, she's a grinder, right? And maybe this horse ends up winning some stakes, going a mile and a half or something. But I, I think it just the two turns should eventually be good for her. The question is, can she take a big step forward first time doing it? And, and you know, if Lacrette is loose, can she really run her down with her with the way that she looks like she moves? Mike and I are definitely going to single her up here. Uh, if you're playing, I mean, honestly, if you want to play a, a pick three and you don't feel comfortable singling, this is perfectly kind of what we're doing here. We're just extending it out and giving ourselves a little bit more risk for slightly more reward because that's fun. <laughs> I would also, I, I don't know the takeout of Fairgrounds, to be honest. So I would check out, I'd look at the takeout too and see what the takeout in the pick three and the pick four is. And maybe that's the way you, you get around it as well. I never thought about it that way. That's a good point. Uh, we'll move on to the second leg of the late pick four sequence at Fairgrounds on Saturday, January 22nd. Going to the turf, the Colonel Bradley Stakes, mile and a 16th, a dozen older males, including last year's grade one Arlington million winner, two Emmys. The last grade one Arlington million winner, kind of, we'll ever have. Uh, we don't have the morning line odds here yet. I didn't use two Emmys because I'm still mad at that horse winning that race. Uh, but I did go four deep here. Would you go on top? Uh, I went four deep as well. I'm right. interested to see who the favorite is going to be. I didn't use two Emmys either uh, for more logical reasons than the fact that I'm mad at two Emmys. I think this is a little too short and there's no way two Emmys gets the lead in this spot. Actually, quite a bit of speed signed up in here. I thought that was one of the uh, more interesting parts of it. Okay, so I went with Cavalry Charge, the three horse here on top out of the Dallas Stewart Barn. Source has tactical speed, but doesn't necess necessarily see the lead. I like that this horse has just gotten better and better and better since going over to turf. Um, one wire to wire at Churchill uh, in a non-winners of one allowance and then kind of took a step up. But that race two back to me was a, a really, really nice race at Kentucky Downs, winning at the mile distance and being able to come from off the pace and doing it. I, that looked awesome. I, I thought that was a very good start. The 95 back-to-back -back buyers are good. We know this horse can fire off the layoff, which is a positive. You're getting early in the five-year-old season, which is in that same as that late four-year-old season, first off the barn, where you, we often see logical improvement angles. And I like the fact that we're showing up in a stakes race now. I mean, there are other places that this horse could end up in. And the fact that we're going to stakes company tells me that that um, Dallas Stewart believes that, that Cavalry Charge is ready to make this jump. So I, I'm going to put the three Cavalry Charge on top as one of my two must-uses. The other must-use for me, right to the outside, is known agenda. Um, from the Sherry DeVoe barn, I, I've been high on this barn for a while. It's fun to see her start to get horses, uh, or more and more horses. She's done very well with, with the, the stock that she's gotten. I think that she's got a big shot in here with known agenda. Note the huge layoff and the switch over to the turf. So this horse didn't run from November 19th to, uh, I'm sorry, November 29th, 2029, till June 20th, 2021. So almost a full 18 months off. Comes back and runs a good second then wins next time out. But next time out was December 18th of 2021. So almost six month layoff. Now we're getting second off the layoff, third off that really long break. This horse should just be coming into form now. It's it's really hard to expect that horse to get run its best efforts. Neither of those first two races off that long break. I think uh, I think Known Agenda is going to be locked and loaded here for this start. I, I like Known Agenda's chances. Yeah, I'm with you. I, it wasn't a must use, but I definitely did use Own Agenda. Uh, I feel like there is a ton of pay, uh, speed in here, uh, which is something where is it something that Mark brought up. Um, and I definitely, I did not use the uh, the Dallas Stewart horse. You're talking about. I did look at him. I was like, I just feel like the horse's best chance is to go to the front. And there's too much other speed there where I feel like this is going to set up for a collapse. Uh, my top pick, I'm going to number seven, and not just because he's got an amazing name, but Excess Magic for Brett Calhoun, Raylu Gutierrez. First off, if you're not paying attention, uh, Raylu Gutierrez is a pretty damn good jockey. We'll get a sneaky price on him. I know Mike. I know Mike knows about him. Mike actually been talking about Raylu for a year now, haven't you? It was More when than he that. went to Sam Houston last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked him in New York when he was a bug, man. Uh, he was one of because he's aggressive, he's strong, and he he places horses right and gets the most out of them.
And that's why a big thing that I love about his, his uh, riding excess magic, because this is a newly turned four-year-old, uh, a grandson of Galileo, so you're going to have plenty of good turf pedigree there. Three for four on the fairgrounds turf, and the only time he ran a bad race was the black gold stakes when he got beat the shit out of. Like, there's a really bad trip. There was no way he was going to win that race. Uh, I love that he's got the tactical speed. You look at the Texas turf mile. Miguel Mena, his old uh, rider, rest in peace, uh, would take him back off. You see last out, though, in the wood chipper going a two-turn mile here at fairgrounds. On the right up front, and then ends up winning by a length and a half, draws off pretty well. So definitely a top pick for me. I don't know what odds we're going to get on him. He tends to be pretty short odds in his career and is exiting a win. So he might be close to favoritism. Did you use excess magic? That uh, was my third pick. And I, I think you're going to get six to eight to one on this horse. I think it's what? somewhere right in there. Oh, yeah. I, I don't. I think this horse is going to be a largely wow. overlooked. Well, look, this horse needs to improve to win, which right away kind of knocks you. And he's never gone the distance either. Never been successful at the distance. So. I don't think the distance will be a problem. The one, thing demonetized. Sorry, Jared. <laughs> the one thing that I, you didn't mention that I really like is this is third off a layoff. We've, we're increasing the distance with each start. So we have five and a half the first time, went a mile the second time. Now we're going a mile of 16th. I think all systems are go here for, for excess magic. Um, you're going to need to step forward, but I think that this is a, a logical spot for this horse to step forward. I'm also like a sucker for Brett Calhoun horses. I'm a mm. sucker for Ray Lou Gutierrez. Mm. This combination is one that I like to use. They're 28% together uh, in the last two years. 38% at fairgrounds and 24 starts with a $4.88 ROI. So pretty good combination to use. Uh, let's see where I'll, I'm going to actually look at your picks to see. We do have another one that we agreed on. Oh, wait, no, we talked about that one. We talked. All right. You go to your next one. We already talked about uh, own agenda. I got excited there. All right. I, I went for a little bit of what I believe will be a price. I hope. Did I pick Bo Cream? Let me make sure I got this right. Without the number yeah, Bo Cream number is number nine. That's the last one you used. Yeah, I did use Bo Cream. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I, I ended up using. <laughs> I ended Are you up sure using you want to use Bo Cream? I do. Look, look, here, look, the horse likes fairgrounds turf, first of all. Oh, first off, okay, so we are uh, three starts on the turf. We've hit the board each of those times. At the distance, we've got two wins and seven starts. Um, again, this is one that I don't think needs the lead. And that, to me, is one of the keys here is that, like, you, your argument around the three horse, uh, that the three needs the lead here, I disagree Cavalry Charge needs the lead. I think Cavalry Charge can win from a little bit off the pace. I think Bode Cream can as well, and that's the reason why I use this horse, because I want some of those tactical horses right behind it. Um, horses running in the maker barn ran well, gets claimed, goes in the Inglehart barn, two good starts. And now we're, we're reeling back into a stakes race down here. You get Deshaun Parker up. It's very good. And if you go back and you, you got to dig a little bit, but if you go back to the first time this horse ran at over the fairgrounds turf, it was uh, December 28, 2019, going a mile and a 16th and note that the horse closed from last place in that field and just missed winning at a big number. I, I think that this horse has the ability to be tactical. And I don't think it's the fastest horse in the field. So even if it, I don't, I don't think he's going to get the lead. I think he might sit the right trip right behind the speed and be able to pounce on him. It'd be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, last one that I ended up, I, I mean, I don't have any real feedback on you with Bodie cream uh, other than I think this, you know, might be another speed horse, but uh, I think you and I are just seeing these a little differently and that's okay. Uh, the next horse for me, um, I'm actually going to talk about, I want to go to the rail horse. I'm trying to pull up the equipace here. Logical myth uh, for Joe Sharp. I really like that this, first of all, this is the horse that won this race last year he's five for ten on the fairgrounds turf you look at the fact that he comes off the break from he leaves in august comes back in november those two back-to-back -back efforts pretty dull you can forgive the first one it's a break the second one not any better sharp takes the blinkers off horses had the blinkers on for a while so i like that sharp is trying to mix things up here look who owns this this is joe sharp's horse he owns this horse outright he's placing him consistently in all these stakes he's not going to keep doing this if this horse doesn't still have some talent or he doesn't think he still has some talent left I think this is the time. Like, if, if he doesn't do very strong here, I think we officially drop him down. He is a six-year-old gelding. But 
I really think that uh, you combine that with the weight break that we're getting. Uh, he does obviously like this track. I'm going to use him. He wasn't, I mean, I went four deep because I wasn't super into him, but uh, I did use Logical Myth. And then I'll tell you my last one, and then you can give me your feedback. I went with uh, Monarchs Glen, the eight horse, who Mark brought up in the uh, in the chat earlier. Back-to-back uh, -back solid closing efforts over this course. First time, first two times he's ever tried Fairgrounds grass course. He's going to get more chase to pace, what I think, on paper here than what he had in either of those last two races because I looked at how the pace setup worked for those. I think he's going to have more to chase, which is absolutely what this horse needs. Uh, but he is a recent stakes winner at this distance, and we're getting Jersey Joe Bravo in from California. Jersey Joe was like, you know what? The weather's too nice in California. I'm going to go down to Fairgrounds with either going to be 100% humidity 100% precipitation. Either way, I'm going to use this horse. Not using the other maker might be a little dangerous. Yeah. Look, I, I looked at the rail horse quite a bit, and I just I, I can't forgive both those efforts. And you, you kind of hinted at that, where it's like the, it's the back-to-back -back efforts were the problem. The first one's totally excusable. That second, when you watch the replay, you're just like, it just, it just didn't seem like there's anything in the tank. Um, and, and that's a problem because this field is significantly tougher than that field was. Um, so for me, I, I, I can't take him off of that race. And that that's the main issue. Um, what do you think the price is? See, I think Monarchs Glen is going to be the favorite. And I do too, which is funny because you look back and the last time he was close to favorite was August. I mean, he, five, five races ago. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Monarchs Glen. And I think it's going to be two Emmys that are, that are bidding for favoritism here. And I just... I'm not a huge fan of Monarchs Glen. You go back and like, okay, well, what what races has he run that that really would beat this field? And you got to go back to like November 2020 at Gulfstream Park West. You go back to July 2020 at Saratoga. I, I don't think he's run a race in 2021. And none of those races win. And and to me, that's a problem. I, I just I can't find on the paper what I can point to and say, yeah, this this horse is going to win. I mean. You look at like excess magic that we talked about coming off a 90 buyer. That is the top buyer last year for Monarchs Glen. And excess magic has significant more upside than Monarchs Glen does. And so it's one of those horses where you, you look at it and it's going to get bet. And it, it like I just I, I can't get there for me. Yeah, I think if, if the odds were out and he was like two to one, wouldn't be on my ticket. <laughs> that's that's for sure. But I also went pretty short here, as did you. So uh, we're thinking it's going to be a little chalky regardless. Let's move on to the third leg of the late pick four sequence here at Fairgrounds. We're going to go back to the dirt. And now we are on the, uh, what is this? The grade three Louisiana Stakes, mile 16th dirt route for a field of seven older males. We've got a showdown here. Two old friends of ours and everyone's. The 2021 Lacombe Stakes winner, Midnight Bourbon, our old friend, and the 2021 Risen Star winner, Mandaloon. Where'd you go on top, buddy? You know, I didn't go to either of them. Don't you mean the 2021 Kentucky Derby winner, Mandaloon? <laughs> give it, give it another couple of weeks. Yeah, another year and a half. Um, look, I think it's really interesting that Warren is in this spot. I, and I'm going to go ahead and put Warren on top, the sixth horse here. Brad Cox entering Warren with Mandaloon to me is just it's showing a ton of faith, A, in Warren. And B, telling me that Mandaloon may not be fully cranked for this spot. Now, it's, it's odd to bring a horse back in a graded stakes not fully cranked. But this isn't the goal for Mandaloon. Let's be honest. The goal for Mandaloon is eventually to be in grade ones, not a grade three. This is a stepping stone, not necessarily the, the end goal. So I think you might see a more keyed up warrant than you're going to see Mandaloon or Midnight Bourbon. I, I think those are clearly the three horses. Um, they're all four-year-olds making their first, making one of their first starts against Olders here. Um so there's, there's a little bit of concern there, but you look at like Spa City, Pirates Punch, Chess Chief, Sprawl. These aren't, they're not horses I'm scared of, right? If, if Mandaloon or Midnight Bourbon show up with their A-plus race, they're beating this field. If Warren improves and shows up with an A race, he's going to be awfully tough too. So I, I like to six Warren on top because I'm going to get a nice price on Warren as well. I looked at him and, and I, for that reason, I was like, oh man, what if I could Warren? And then I was like, well, the only way I think he gets there 
is is if he yeah I just couldn't do it I kept trying to make it work and I couldn't get past Mandaloon and Midnight Bourbon uh, but if you do like it especially if you do like Mandaloon you want to try and use both cock sources you can I went with Mandaloon on top I don't think there's any real reason uh, to leave him off unless you're complete unless you're so chalky and you think this could be very chalky but Mike and I were pressing opinions if he runs his normal race I don't know how he loses this and that's kind of where I'm at this is a prep for the Saudi Cup which is where they've, they've said for months was going to be his next start and this is kind of that warm up the prep for him to get ready for it so if you subscribe to the theory that maybe Cox doesn't have him fully cranked I don't. I think Cox wants him fully cranked for this so that he has something to build on uh, to get to the Saudi Cup and is going to be absolutely primed and ready because Judmont owned, Judmont bred, Judmont want to win the Saudi Cup. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you on all those points. I mean, I, you'd expect that he's going to be pretty good to go. I don't even think, and this is interesting, I think the pace is going to be awfully interesting. I don't even think Warrant is the horse that presses Midnight Bourbon. I think it's going to be Sprawl. I think you're going to see it from possibly Pirates Punch or Spot City. Like, I, I think yep. that it's going to be other horses that, that press... And I, I think I think Warren's going to sit a gorgeous trip here, right behind three or four horses that are out banging heads for the lead. I don't think Midnight Bourbon gets away. And I've always disagreed, and I will continue to disagree, with Midnight Bourbon's time form rating. You see 128 there. He's just not that fast. Like, <laughs> when you see 128 early time form rating, you're thinking this horse can go 22 and change, 45 and change. And that's not Midnight Bourbon's game. His game is 24, 48, 112, and just keep keep clocking out those those 12 seconds. If he gets pushed to like 46, then it starts to get a little bit weird. And that's not just in his natural speed. So I think you're going to have a couple up go out there. And I think Warren's going to sit a beautiful trip here. I am going to use the, the two, the three, and the six. I, I think they're the clear obvious horses. I don't really think I need to hash over Mandaloon. I, I think Midnight Bourbon, if he does get loose, is dangerous. I'm just not so sure he's going to get loose. Yeah, and that's why I didn't use it. that. And I was like, could I really? I, if I was going to go too deep, I didn't think I could use both of those here. Um, I ended up using Chess Chief as the other one here. Oh, boy, Dennis just put it in there. And Mark, okay, I got a couple <laughs> of people agree with me on Chess Chief. I feel a little bit better. Uh, horse for course, that was a big thing for me, Dennis. Uh, uh, he exits the, the Tenacious Stakes, which is over this course in Disney. He's 5 for 10 on the dirt. Dallas Stewart has never had a horse he didn't think could win a stakes race at Fairgrounds, and that includes this one. But he's actually done it before. Uh, you got the pace scenario that, uh, from the, the Tenacious Stakes. Same pace scenario set up here. A couple of the same horses there. Pirates Punch, I fully agree with you, Mike, is going to press Midnight Bourbon. That's why I didn't use either one of them there. On the off chance, Mandaloon isn't fully cranked or isn't going to be ready off the bench. This horse is in form. This horse is actually going to win over the course. Seems to be coming off a primed effort. Just keep it in shape because he got that New Orleans Classic win last year. Do it again for me this year. I, like, again, this is, uh, this field is so much better than what he has faced. I mean, you have the Knicks go race, three back. Okay, right. There's the best horse outside of that he's faced is Maxfield, who I don't think is a very good horse. And so I just have class issues with Chess Chief. I think he is facing three horses better than any horse he faced last year, not named Knicks go. And so it's, uh, is he going to be able to beat all three of them? And that's that to me where the problem lies with Chess Chief. I'm getting Ray Lou too. I'll take that. I'll steal that from Dennis. I'm getting Ray Lou too. Yeah, let's go. No, it's, listen, this is man. To me, this is man loons race to lose. I, I think you made a solid case for warrant better than I could try and make on my own. Um, you might've almost convinced me, Adam, but I definitely think that it, it's outside of Mandaloon, man. I think this is kind of wide open. Any other horses you want to talk about? No, not really. I mean, I just, I think it's wild that Warren is in this race. I mean, the fact that he's in here with Mandaloon, I just, you're not burning Warren just to just to try and mess with Midnight Bourbon. I think you're you're using him because he th you think he can win this race. If you think he can win this race and Mandaloon's in here and you have Mandaloon cranked, then they they think a lot of Warren. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Let's move on to the fourth and final leg of the late pick four sequence. The big one we're excited to talk about. The grade three Lecompte Stakes. This is a grade three race going to mile the 16th on the dirt for three-year-olds. Nine of them entered in here. Mike, 10 points to the Kentucky Derby winner. And please, God, let that be epicenter. Our boy, number five, winner of two straight, including last month's Gunrunner Stakes over this course and distance. But he's got to face Papa Cap, who is still the Kentucky Derby points leader with 12 on January 17th. Uh, okay. It. Yeah, and then you've also got the one horse that Brad Cox said that he had was a derby horse potentially this year, Cyberknife, who runs like a jackass every time. Where are you going on top? I'm putting our boy on top. Yes. How about that, man? And this Have is a good day, everybody. We'll see you next time. Not just a homer pick. I actually think Epicenter wins this race. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I think Epicenter, like, look, that last race was ultra impressive. Um, I'm happy we ran it at Fairgrounds. I'm happy we went two turns. Both those Churchill races were one turn. And he just looked better. Going two turns, looks strong, confident the entire time, has early speed. There's a lot of early speed in here, so that is definitely part of the concern. Um, but, look, I mean, you want to be forwardly placed in this race. We saw that, that the last few years. You're not, you're not getting anyone closing from the clouds to win these races. So I, I like the fact that we have some early speed. Didn't need to leave last time necessarily. like the fact that Rosario shows back up here. It's showing quite a bit of confidence in this horse early on in his career that we have Rosario on it at fairgrounds. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Epicenter has a, a – darn good shot to win this thing i'm gonna put him on top uh, i put him on top as well for all the reasons you said it really isn't a, a homer pick though it's kind of fun uh, but it's uh, he, he god he just was so good in that gun runner stakes uh cons especially considering that we were between kind of epicenter and rocket dog and then rocket god dog got drafted before us so it made it easier to take epicenter and then rocket yep. dog i think is still finishing that race um so you and i agree on that one i went too deep. I'll talk about the other one that we agree on, and then you can mention your two. Uh, I'm going to go just inside the four, Trafalgar. Uh, if you remember way back when Mike and I first started doing the stable up thing, which is if we saw a horse win or perform over the weekend, that we're like, you need to stable this up and make a mention. This is the first one I picked. I said he was the only horse to uh, close behind a really loose gate to wire winner who was classic Causeway. He's gone on to place in several stakes since then. And while he comes back, he wins his four to five favorite, but he won that. And then he won again over this course and distance at fairgrounds. He's won with Lasix, won without Lasix. The style in which he won last out, Mike, that's not his preferred style. It's also not his preferred style to be 10 lengths behind, but it's, you'll find a happy medium. He's a stalker. When he needs to go, he goes. He was only in a six-horse field. He had to sit closer to the pace last time. Now we're second off. Now he can, there's enough horses in here he can sit back from epicenter. If our boy gets pushed and gets gassed, I think Trafalgar is going to be right there to pick up the pieces. I, this is my other must-use horse. This is, if I was going to go too deep, it would be five and six here. Uh, Trafalgar is just really interesting to me. You, you hit on all the points. I think that you want some medium between those two races. He doesn't want to be a million back, but he also doesn't want to be right on top of the, the pace either. And I don't think he could even be right on the top of the pace if he wanted to in this spot. There's going to be yeah. enough horses out there that he's going to sit a nice trip. And, and I would expect he's fourth or fifth uh, around the first turn. You know, it, he should be able to get fairly inside position, be able to save some ground and make a move. We're getting second off the layoff. I, I just think this is definitely one of those where you look at this like, yeah, this horse is probably all systems go. I would expect a pretty good effort here um, from Trafalgar. So, yeah, the, the four and the five for me were the, the two that I, I had on top. I did end up going four deep. I am going to use the six cyber knife. Goofy horse. But, man, Brad Cox likes this horse. It's a $400,000 gun runner. I mean, there's just there's just a ton to like about this horse. That last race was pretty impressive. And, yes, he was getting caught late toward it. But it's just one of those where I think the move was possibly a little bit too early on him. There's a ton of talent in this horse. And this horse doesn't need the lead. This one should be a little bit closer than Trafalgar and should be sitting right behind that first set of speed horses. And, like, look, this just seems like a horse that's going to fire here for Cox. Like, you, you've seen this enough in these prep races 
where it's the, the horse just seems like this is the time for it to run its career best race. And if it does, it's going to be awfully tough. I think Cyberknife is is a good use here. So I, I ended up using him. You didn't. Was there a reason you didn't use Cyberknife? Yeah, I've watched all three of his races. He, you remember Proxy last year on the fairground mm-hmm. circuit? This is Proxy. Proxy had the world of talent. They couldn't figure out how to unleash it from him. And then they added blinkers to him. And he, now this horse has worn blinkers before and, and kind of won. He got disqualified, but it, you know, I'm not gonna say that's gonna be the case, but he's too much of a knucklehead for me. I will say that you, you brought up a good point. If the move was too premature when he did break the maiden, cause he got to about halfway home and stopped cause he was looking for horses. So maybe the blinkers will help. Maybe Flo knows that was his first time on. Maybe yeah. Flo knows now, keep him going. There is a lot of talent. I've just seen all three of his races and he's such a jackass when he runs. I can't use him here when I'm going so short, but I understand why you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with all your points. Jackass is a good way to describe him, and it was it is interesting when you see like horses out front like that and they're looking around and like at, he wasn't tired, he wasn't slowing down, he just got so far ahead and he got bored, and and so that then then you look at and that number comes back with an eighty and it's actually a pretty good number, and now they're putting blinkers back on. Like there's they're trying to figure this horse out. I'm scared that if they figure it out, he blows his field out of the water. They're like that. He was like in that stretch. He was like the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday. They got thirty-five to fourteen, and they're like, "All right, now what? Are we just yeah. gonna? Oh, we'll go, okay, we'll let them score one twenty-one. Okay, yeah, go ahead, guys." Uh, fourth horse for me is going to be the nine horse, uh, which I believe is presidential. Is that correct? Yes, yep. Yeah. Uh, this is the other Asmussen, and this one I thought was really interesting because the placement is just a head scratcher. So this horse debuts at uh, Indiana Grand, goes a mile, doesn't run that great. Comes back, runs Indiana Grand, wins by seven lengths. Haven't seen him since August 20, August 31st. This is $625,000 son of Pioneer of the Nile uh, out of a twirling candy mare. Really well-bred horse. Asterson has probably the favorite in this spot in Epicenter. And we're just going to just sprinkle presidential in here? I, it's just a really interesting placement for me. I, I think I'm going to get a price on this one. I think I'm getting like 15 to one somewhere in that range. And like, if this horse is like four to one, I'm probably not going to use. Uh, so maybe check back after we get the odds on this too, because that might be something. So it might be slight ticket adjustments, depending on what the actual prices are here. But I think this is a long shot. That's absolutely live. And the fact that Ash has two in here with who I believe will be the favorite and wants to put this horse in, which is kind of a left field horse tells me all I need to know about it. Uh, you could be right. My theory when I looked at this was, well, they got a $625,000 horse and you know, took them two wins to get it done to Indiana Grand. Why not? I mean, they went 21.5, 138.9 for that. I mean, that was, that was a slow race. That was a very slow race. But um, listen, it is the other Asmussen. And it, especially if, if the pace collapses, we know this horse is going to keep, keep going, keep chugging along. So uh, not going to knock you on that one. Uh, the one horse I want to talk about real quick and we can get out of here, Papa Cap. I didn't use, but I, there's a part of me that's like, God, this horse could really screw us. This horse, He never liked to seem to win, but he loves to hit the board. He likes to be competitive. What did you think about Papa Cap? You know, <laughs> could, could he be uh, – what's the Charlie horse? Could he be Hot Rod Charlie? Like this is very similar, yeah. like super long odds uh, in the in the juvenile, and he's kind of run well all year last year, but no one really gives him that much respect. Mm-hmm. Then he takes his uh, tack down to New Orleans, and, and all of a sudden finds it, and then he becomes one of the the better stories in horse racing of the entire year. I mean, it's got that kind of feel to it, right? 
and he is by Gunrunner, who loved to win at fairgrounds, loved to race at fairgrounds. Yeah, I, I listen. This could happen, and, and Nick agrees with you. It could have the the hot rod Charlie path. It very well could be. Um, it is a horse that I'm a little nervous about, but I also expect, even though he's only been favored once in his career. I would expect he's probably going to be the second favorite right behind uh, uh, Epicenter. Maybe Cyberknife is mixed in there t- too, but th- those are your three favorites here, right? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I think this horse is going to be really interesting from a pace perspective because he has only faced Bob Baffert horses. And so we know wow. how we know how all those Bob Baffert horses are getting out to the lead, right? In every single race, he's been against one of the speedballs. And so we don't really know how fast this horse is. If you go back to its first two wins... Uh, he goes wire Actually, to wire, going five furlongs and six furlongs. And he didn't face a Baffert in either one of those. The, there were no Bafferts in that best pal. I remember that. So he's only beaten non-Baffert fields, and he's got a non-Baffert field here. Uh, and so you kind of sit there, and you're like, well, I wonder what you're going to get from this horse. You know what I mean? Um, oh, God. You know. Okay, never mind. Good. Whew. Don't, uh, <laughs> I clicked on one of the races to look at the field, and I thought I saw a rookie mistake. I was going to get pissed again. Um, <laughs> he's back again. No, I just can't, can't get rid of this horse. Just don't make the same rookie mistake, Mike. Yeah, yeah, you can't get rid of him unless it's uh, in a photo for the win. Um, I I think Papa Cap is dangerous in this spot. I think I just I can't with Papa Cap. I think this horse is going to get way over bet. I don't think Corniche is that good which is one of the big issues for me. I think Corniche is kind of a middling horse, and I think there's more talent out there. Um, if you love Corniche, I think you kind of have to love Papa Cap. And what we saw last year, and we don't know this this year yet, but what we saw last year, and we could kind of say based on the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, the West Coast had the best three-year-olds, period. Game over. Um, West Coast has the best three-year-olds, and Papa Cap wins this race by open legs, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, Papa Cap wins this at all. I think we're like, well, shit, California's going to reign supreme again. Yep. I am kind of talking myself into the horse. I'm not going to lie. Like, as I, as I go through this, Chris just called me out for Don't it. Don't do it. Don't do yeah. it, Mark. As, as I go through this, I'm like, okay, shit, I'm starting to make some pretty good points. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, like, this will be a big measuring stick for East Coast, West Coast, right? I mean, because this is I, – I, I don't think the Breeders' Cup Juvenile was any good. I really don't. I, I'm kind of against that entire race. We'll see how that turns out. Last year, we thought it was good, and it turned out to be a great race. This year, I just I don't think Corniche is that good. I, I think, you know, obviously, Jack Christopher scratched out. We don't know what he is. Command performance didn't run very well. I, you know, I don't. I didn't like Papa Cap going into the race. I don't really love him coming out of the race. So this is going to be an interesting measuring stick for, for some of these preps moving forward. And this is one I'm going to keep an eye on because I think it's going to give you an idea of what circuit is going to be the best. I think it'll give you an idea of how the West Coast horses will fare against some of these East Coast horses. And, and that's really important when you are playing the triple crown races, when they actually finally converge. That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to go through a Saturday's late pick four sequence at Fairgrounds on Saturday, January 22nd. Again, thank you, Fairgrounds, for putting the card out so early for, so we can talk about this now. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll do another show. I know Chris Mayall had requested we go back to the Golden Shower, so I don't know if that's uh, a sequence you want to uh, return to. I know you're still a little, little uh, sore about Santa Anita. Well, I, you know, I have the bombs up there for today. We would have hit every race except for that stupid one to two shot or whatever ran awful, ridiculous. And my 15 to one shot didn't run much better, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, so, you know, but we'll see how this goes. We're, we're live in the pick five right now. We'll see how it turns out and then we'll take it from there. Um, we're going to go ahead and give out our tickets one last time. I kind of forgot about that one. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a look below. I just did a $2 ticket because it ends up being very, very cheap otherwise. So I'm going to get out of mine going single to five, then one, four, seven, eight. Then one, two, then four, five. That is a $32 ticket. But if you want to play it for 50 cents, that's what, $8? That's a, wait, yeah, $8. That's a cheap ticket. Even I can afford that one twice. 
There you go. Uh, I ended up playing a 50 cent ticket. I'm going to go five with three, four, seven, nine, with three, two, three, six, with four, five, six, nine. It'll cost you $24.50. This thing could chalk out pretty heavy. If you play my ticket, I would highly suggest you also play some type of stack tickets where you're playing a $2 ticket or $5 ticket with your favorite horse or horses in the last couple legs because like that $24 ticket could return 100 bucks. And so the best way to attack a sequence like this is play it very short or stack it and then you know so like maybe go five with i think three four of my top picks five with three four with six with four five right and play that for five bucks will cost you twenty dollars and then if your opinions come in you can you can make some decent money and your ticket structure is significantly better it's gonna be a fun card i always get excited uh, when aaron and i did the preview for the locom stakes so you can get that over at the youtube channel youtube.com slash racing dudes uh, that'll be up later today if you're watching live if you're on the replay it should be up by now uh but we we talked about how this is kind of like when the comic card comes out this is that first real jolt of like okay here we go like it's derby season uh so it's gonna be a lot of fun go over to youtube channel we've got plenty of action over there uh aaron halterman and i do a free race of the day preview for Oakland Park and the guy has been on fire especially with his long shot picks I know sometimes Aaron unfairly gets shit on for being a chalk eater uh, or a chalk player Aaron's long shot giveaways in those races have been really solid so make sure you're checking those out uh, if you guys are watching us on YouTube we really appreciate if you give us a like a thumbs up on that and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already because plenty of great content and we're going to keep building this thing as we build towards the Pegasus World Cup 12 days away Mike if I ask you right now life is good Nick's go and you know nothing like we know nothing right now uh, who are you picking Life is good. There you go. That's the correct answer. Uh, but we had an interesting. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We had an interesting talk about that because who's, Aaron who's the favorite? Uh, it's got to be. I don't see how Nick's go is not the favorite. I agree. But, but, but this could be like six to five, seven to five. I agree too. That how many horses are in that race? Um, they're struggling. They're struggling to get horses right now. I would say I would say ten because Dallas Stewart has got like three. Like he said, Chess Chief, he'll run back. Test Chief got invited, and he's, we just talked about him in a race. He'll run him back next week if he comes out of the race, okay? Yeah, I, I, I would almost – I would love it if Gulfstream's like, look, guys, we're just going to run a match race. We're just going to have the two of them go at it. That would <laughs> Don't be worry about else. Have, to a, that. have a Pegasus and then, like, have a Super Pegasus and just have, like, the match race after the Pegasus. Because then you get a big field and you have that huge race. $3 million purse, winner take all. Yeah, there you go. You imagine a three million dollar purse winner take all match race? What that? I'm not sure. And, and it's Paco it. versus Irad on the jockeys. Oh God! Can they each get one? Can they each? Can they each, they get, each one get one foul? Two whips. Yeah, <laughs> right. In case, you in can, case you lose one, throwing it at somebody. You can punch each other once on the way around. There you go. Just once. Just once. Once per lead change. How about that? Yeah. Then Paco's just. <laughs> flip punch flip punch yeah. yeah no that's great oh god this is left dennis says it's a great idea dennis promoting jockey violence look at that good job. No. i mean it, it's going to be a really interesting race because i think the, i think life is good as fast as nicks go um and i think nicks go absolutely needs the lead and if you combine those two then you could have just like the scorching pace could you get like a bomb just closing from the clouds i mean do you almost play which the one you like and the best closer if you're in multi-race tickets, so you're like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to, you can't use both, right? That's a terrible idea to use both. Right. So if you're not using both, you're either singling or you're chucking, which is, I think is pretty aggressive, or you're going too deep and you're using like a closer that you think can get them both if they do kill each other. It's yeah. going to be interesting from a race perspective. <laughs> I would love a match race, but it, it'll, you know, we're not getting that. Yeah. Someday we can dream. Uh, listen, there's been a lot of people saying they want Sam Houston in the chat and we've got two races at Sam Houston on Saturday, Mike. With that are on the turf, both of them have ten horses. You want to do Sam Houston Saturday? 
Yeah, we'll do Sammy Saturday. Let's and, do Sammy Saturday. The people have spoken. And and by the way, we should say something about this too. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna we decide we're gonna do a live show uh, for Friday night too. So Friday night, Sam Houston late pick four. We're gonna jump on live and talk about the football games and cap the late pick four. So make sure you check that out too. That'll be uh, right here on Racing Dudes YouTube channel. So make sure you uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell thing, so you get notified whenever we uh, come on here and shoot the shit. And actually, speaking of shooting the shit about football, in just an hour here, uh, Aaron and Papa Dude will be on the next Dudes Who Bet Sports. They'll be recapping all the action from the NFL playoffs, and I'm sure they'll be talking about some other sports as well. So make sure you tune into that, youtube.com slash racing dudes, for all that information. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday covering Sam Houston Saturday. Late pick four seconds. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Kellaward. He is at Summerbomb18, number one, number eight, corporate overlords, at racing underscore dudes. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, Oh, special shout out to uh, two friends. Uh, Andrew, who sent us the, the, he created a fantasy league with his friends to try and grow their interest in it, which is amazing and awesome. Uh, congratulations. That was a pretty cool. Also, Andrew, you had the best draft, so uh, shout out to you. And then, yeah, uh, we had a, we had another fan, AJ, reach out that was uh, from South Bend that was pretty cool. So great to hear from you too. So uh, thank you, everybody, for reaching in out to us and talking to us, and we'll be back Thursday. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, unless... Yeah, no, good luck this week. I'll just leave it at that. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. Death, taxes, and Magic Mike on Monday.